Today's show, we discuss where do you get your comics? Not not what store do you get your comics from? Where does your store get the comics? Where do your comics come from? No, not the publisher. We're talking about the actual distribution of your comic books. I actually contrast it today to where I did get my comic books when I was seven years old, when I was eight years old, on road trips, drug stores, all of that. But today, your comics come from a different source than they did last year and the year before. Your DC Comics, your Marvel Comics, your Image Comics, it's all in flux. What exactly is going on with where you get your comic books? A lot, actually. A lot is going on, and a lot is about to change, and I try and walk you through it all on an all-new episode of Observations. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld, hence the Rob in Observations. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to a jibber-jabbery discussion on comic books and pop culture and their amazing kind of interconnectedness that, that I've watched throughout my career. I, I say this at the top of every show. I, I started collecting comics when I was six, seven years old. I remember them vividly. I remember all of the Marvel comics from that time, the DC comics from that time vividly. The logos, the trade dress, uh, they were everywhere in the United States of of America. I would go on road trips to Arizona, New York, uh, uh, New Mexico. Wherever we went, comic books were prevalent. They were in drugstores. They were in uh, hobby stores. They were in corner markets, liquor stores. I've, I've detailed often how off how, how how many times I would bump into a comic book in my youth and literally you know my, my heart would skip a beat going into the drugstore Rexall Drugs R-E-X-A-L-L drugstore on the way to Albuquerque New Mexico and seeing some comic books that my other networks of liquor stores 7-Elevens you know grocery stores and drugstores didn't have because distribution was spotty what was carried, what was what the gas station manager, the 7-Eleven manager, the drugstore manager wanted to carry. They filled out a list, they checked the box, and that's what you got. It wasn't an you know, all-in order, not that I was aware of. And I have seen other people my age talk in the exact same terms of, you know, an X-Men 107 would be on the rack, and then four months later, you'd see an X-Men 110, and you had no idea what happened? The book was bi-monthly at the time, so maybe it was a few more months than that. But you get the picture. Large gaps. And so when you would go to different places and find different comics, it would just blow your mind. That Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico, was the summer of 1976. There was a Defenders Annual, a Power Man Annual, an Avengers Annual. I started the road trip with an Avengers Annual in Anaheim, California. It had Nuclo, big giant... Um, had ties to the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's father, the Wizard. It was drawn by George Perez. I totally love it. It had a Jack Kirby cover, very bold cover, Nuclo giant glowing radiated man blasting away at the Avengers. And that really was the book that I poured over and over and over again uh, on our road trip. When I'd get bored, I'd just open it back up. Well, we got to New Mexico. 
in this in this in this drugstore. The next day, I mean, we only had a couple more hours before we got we, we were at our friend's house. I I saw a Hulk annual and a Defenders annual. I'll get to the Power Man annual on the way home because I saw it, but my, my my parents said that would break my budget. So I got the Hulk, another Kirby cover, and it had um, you know Groot, all these different beasts, maybe a character called Xenu with a X. Another Jack Kirby, giant, giant Jack Kirby Hulk face. And I grabbed it. And the Defenders, it was a Salby Sema, Klaus Jansen had them all running towards you. You had Power Man, had Hulk, had Doctor Strange, uh, Nighthawk. Oh, I was like, the Defenders, I always wanted the Defenders to be as great as the Avengers. They certainly had covers that were as great in regards to being illustrated by top Marvel illustrators, the lineup, Doctor Strange, Submariner, Hulk, Silver Surfer, that that base lineup, Valkyrie, Nighthawk, they, they, they should have been competing with the Avengers in my mind because the covers, but the interiors, the interiors were never quite as tantalizing because the Avengers just had uh, better luck with, with, with talented artists at the time, uh, specifically. And if you go back to my, I think it's my second or third podcast ever, two years back, you know, the, the the rivalry that defined an era, that is John Byrne and George Perez, and they were tag teaming on and off on the Avengers. So when John wasn't doing the Avengers, he was doing every issue of the X-Men. So the X-Men and the Avengers benefited from these visionary uh, talents. Meanwhile, the Defenders would always tantalize. I would grab as many books, but I, I just... They never quite got there, even though I thought their lineup was just as, if not more, exciting. I mean, Doctor Strange, uh, the Hulk, Silver Surfer, Prince Namor, anyway. Now I've got two annuals to go with the one that I started the trip with. Summer in 1976, July and August, okay? On the uh, that, that night at the hotel when we checked in, and my parents said, hey, let's go, you know, let's go, let's go to the pool and check it out. You know, it's summer, it's hot out. And then I got back to my room and I sat in the, in the corner chair and I consumed that Hulk annual over and over and over, and the Defenders annual. When we finally wrapped up our, uh, our our road trip, which, by the way, coincided with the two sons, their name was Brenner, like Yul Brenner, the Brenners, brought me up to a an attic, and they opened up a trunk, and they had comic books. They had Captain America and Spider-Man comic books, and I'm like, I'm in comic book nirvana. I'm in comic book damn nirvana. Okay, my 1976 summer. Okay, that was seared into my brain. Well, on the way home, you know, grab a comic. There it was. Now, also, I need to backtrack here. Do you think these comic books were in good condition? Because they weren't. They're crumpled. They're creased. Um, the, the 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 clerk at the drugstore, the guy running the gas station, the guy at the the helm of the liquor store in the 7-Eleven did not give two shits or a holler. Excuse my abrasive language. Did not give two shits or a holler that your comics were creased. There was no such thing as a minty fresh comic. That is a byproduct of the age that we live in now. Certainly, yes, near mint. I, I can go back to the Overstreet Price Guide. Go back to that most excellent wizard episode that all of you love so much. Or I contrasted it to the Overstreet Price Guide and the most excellent way that they would put fine, very fine. Hey, listen, I literally just grabbed a comic book 
uh, off eBay last night that was in near mint condition. That's the that's the best I could hope for when I purchased my near mint condition of a comic that I needed to share with you all. Uh, well, share share with me. I need I needed to share with me that maybe eventually I'll share with you all. But uh, so it's always there, and you got to click. You got to click. You know which price you want to pay. Well, I wanted to pay the near mint price. If they had a copy, they did. Boom, it's on its way. So I couldn't be more excited. I could not be more excited to have these uh, these annuals. But they were creased. They were crinkled. They were worn. They were torn. Some kids, literally, you would have to wait till they finished reading the comic and put it back on the rack in order for you to look at it, to buy it. This, especially at the time... The bookstores that were all over the malls of America prior to Barnes & Noble, prior to Borders, was called Walden Books. Walden Books and later Crown Books. Those were the two leading bookstores. I mean, we were just off and running a day. I, I just, I have just gone. I have gone. I am gone about comics right now. I have just, if you're like, this is my first podcast, what is happening? Welcome to Observations. This is dictated by my, you know, stream of consciousness. And right now we are in 1976. I'm back in the back seat of my parents Buick in the leather chairs reading comic books but uh the bookstores at the time again if you wanted to get a comic sometimes there were one or two kids that had already grabbed those books and you're kind of being nice and trying to pivot around them and and and, and you're swiveling the the, the spinner rack as, as much as it's able because in the Walden books and in the Crown books they had the spinner rack and you're like oh man that's the only copy of that Fantastic Four is that kid ever going to finish it and put it back and sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't and if they did it was worn it had greasy fingers it was creased it was torn it was bent okay am I am I getting this across to you because that's the condition that these annuals and the Rexel drugs in New Mexico uh, were purchased. But you were just so happy to have it. The newsprint had already yellowed. The newsprint, the, the cheapest possible paper that we all love the most. I mean, I'm going to tell you, that I, when I get to this comic book that I'm going to share with you guys today, I don't like it as much because it's on really crispy white paper. And when I did the comic, it was more yellow because newsprint was still the way to go in 1990 but certainly newsprint was your only option there was no slick uh printing options nicer paper shiny none of that so this uh this luke cage power man which i believe had a great dave cockrum cover of him just like smashing through a wall uh man those four annuals i mean and 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 you got to realize those four annuals are are giving me just shy of 200 pages of entertainment and look at I was eight years old. I was eight years old when this occurred. Burned into my memory. I I started this entire diatribe by sharing with you how I am just so familiar with those works. Now, here's the deal. The Avengers is a, a comic that I continue to revisit. The staging of the story, the art, the blocking, the figures, the power of those hits. Um, George Perez drew one hell of an annual. It was a great story, and it was part of a bigger puzzle that they were building in the regular Avengers title. Marvel made it so that that all of these stories were interconnected. And uh, again, you know, two of these books had cover by covers by Jack, the King Kirby, the freaking king, king, king of comics. And they, 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 
they stayed with me to this day, that, that Hulk annual where he battles like Marvel monsters like Groot before he was cute and cuddly in Guardians of the Galaxy. And Xenu and, and two more guys my age right now that the great thing is, you know, you're locked in. You're like, I, I love those annuals too. That Defenders annual, that Power Man annual. Annuals were great. They were. There's a reason they were called annuals. They came out annually. They always came out in the summer. And most most times, more often than not, they hit the spot. They absolutely hit the spot. That is what comic books mean to me. And as I have shared this with you right now, I'm like, wait, you're you're thinking Defenders, Doctor Strange is an Avengers. Yes, in Kevin Feige's MCU, things are not as they were when I was a kid. Okay, and uh, Hulk is now more an Avenger than he ever was a Defender. But when I was a kid, he had already left it. He spent, you know, everyone knew the the Hulk left the Avengers at like the end of issue two, three, or four. Pick one. It was it was a four-month stay at best. Then for 15 years, he was a Defender. He was on the cover of the Defenders. He was featured all the time in order to sell the Defenders because if you have learned one thing in Rob Observations Class 101, that the editors of the 1970s and the 80s viewed that the strongmen sold comics. That was a base knowledge of the business going in, that the strongmen, the thing, Hulk, that's why Colossus was earmarked to be the star and was the featured player on the first year's worth of Uncanny X-Men. And if you've never heard that before, it's in my other podcast, but you're hearing it now and now you're, you know, you're you're coming in a little, you know, brighter than you left the podcast. And, and that's a good thing because I want to pass down the knowledge. Once I got into comic stores, once I was able to buy comic books with interview magazines and read about what editors and creators were saying, I locked into it and I never looked back. I have absorbed and consumed comic books uh, since I was in my early teens. Uh, 12, 13 years old is when I would encounter the comic book stores and then a new level of knowledge. And so my 1980, maybe your 2022, because I am more than happy to pass this along. As an artist and writer and creator and publisher and producer and sometimes printer of comic books, I have seen it from every possible angle. I have clashed with my editors. I have discovered brand new talent. I have, I have broken sales records. I have um, produced bestsellers. I have topped the charts. There is no part of this business that I have not seen and I love sharing it with you guys and that is why we are here on Rob Observations together we are holding our hands through the podcast I am reaching out I'm holding your hand right now you are holding mine we are kind of clammy and sweaty um, because that's what happens when you hold too tight but we are clammy and sweaty and our palms are, are going to um, unconnect right now because we just can't hold hands anymore that, that, that few seconds was enough now here's the deal the comics industry has been as I've said many times is the source material for so much of what you're enjoying right now across your streaming platforms, across your, uh, your, your box office options, your video game, your action figures. Uh, I'm looking at a shelf uh, filled with plastic and porcelain figures and uh, all manner of different sculpts of Deadpool and Cable and Domino other X-Force members, Venom Pool, other characters I participate in, Kid Pool, Dog Pool, Squirrel Pool, you bet, you name it, Lady Deadpool is staring at me right now, okay? I've got these all across um, my very crowded shelf and I, and I, I, I there's no more room. I've, I've had to literally take 
some of the new statues, which are like three feet by three feet tall, these statue people are just kicking all manner of righteous ass. And I've had to, uh, you know, move them away because I just can't, I don't have any place to, to display them. They're just too large. And my wife has already been so patient in letting me, um, basically pollute our room (laughs) from her perspective (laughs) with all these, uh, these, these statues and figurines. So here's the deal. I, uh, I just love comics. I've loved watching them grow. If, if the comics were a seed and, and just, and I've, and I've said this to you guys before, Marvel comics itself was just about 10, 11 years old when they hooked me. And now I look back and you want to add 48 years to that. I mean, you know, they, they count from the earliest, earliest Marvel, but I'm talking the Marvel superhero universe was was the the, the, the dawn of Spider-Man and the Fantasy Four. We're, we're talking, you know, if you go to where I'm, you know, six years old and it's, it's 1972, 1973, I mean, that's, where, well, that's what we're looking at. And that's my earliest Fantastic Four issues. And, and, and you're looking at a Marvel comics that is basically 12 years old at the time. And, and, and I am uh, adding now 48 years to that. And I've been doing it for 37 years myself doing comics. So to watch comics go beyond the Super Friends, go beyond the Adam West Batman show, and become these multi-budgeted, ridiculous, uh, r- ridiculously expensive, uh, you know, theme park attractions, which that's what I, I think of as these giant $200 million movies. This has happened in the course of my lifetime. Some of you, you know, my, my nephew, he wanted to come in. A lot of people want to want to catch up, but there's no, there's just no way. That's why this podcast is helpful. I hope that I give you bite-sized pieces of history. Uh, I don't spin. I just give you a lot of a lot of the times, especially if it's another subject. I have read Todd McFarlane interviews verbatim to you. I have read Frank Miller interviews to you verbatim. I have read Alan Moore verbatim. I have just given it to you word for word the way it was put down in ways that you don't have it because you don't have these copies of Amazing Heroes, of Starlog, of Comic Scene, of Comics Journal. So, so I'm, I'm able to share that and show you how I was able to shape my own experience. Well, where is the comic book world right now? If it's the source material and, and it's this seed that grew into this giant, giant oak tree with all these ridiculous branches and this bountiful, you know, all these bountiful leaves. Um, where are we right now? Well, it's interesting. Comic book retailers have never had it harder. Let's just give them props. I, I don't get along with all comic book readers. I think they're uh, comic book retailers. Sorry, comic book retailers. And they don't get along with me. Some of them, um, you know, don't order near enough of the comics that I wish that they would carry. Um, but they have their own science that they adhere to. I, I know that most retailers right now in the comic book world have chosen to go to the most conservative path possible. And you can't really blame them. They're not carrying a lot of extras. The publishers have allowed them, in many cases, to carry the burden. If you sell out of issue whatever of the book that just came out, a lot of the publishers are going to offer to go back to second print, which makes that first print even that much more um, uh, desirable. But the first print, you know, may not. If you want that book, it, it may be a few few weeks till that second print reaches you. So. So ordering to the bone, as many of them are doing right now, 
you know, you've got to really be on top of your game. You've got to, you, you've got to get your name on a list. You've got to, uh, you know, have a pull list. You, you know, you need to be on their subscription service, which helps them a great deal until you stiff them and you don't pick up the hundreds of books that you ordered. And that happens to every single retailer. And it hurts that that happens. It deeply hurts that these people don't pick up their, um, their, their, their pull list. It, it, they have set aside comics that you specifically have asked them to that they have denied others and and by not picking them up you know you're not you're not um you're affecting the economics of their very their business which look hangs by the margins what's happened in recent weeks just in the last two weeks the distribution network has continued to change during the pandemic dc comics went with a publisher that uh, a new distributor called luna I don't know anything about them. I know that they're not Diamond. DC pulled out of Diamond. There was there was another kind of sort of distributor for DC, but it doesn't matter right now. They're primarily represented by a distributing distribution partner named Luna. I believe they are the only people distributing DC Comics, but they pulled out of Diamond. Diamond Comics. What is that? If you're like Liefeld, what are you doing? Diamond Comics is has been the primary distributor of the comic book world of comic books the, the from every publisher since 1994 that is when marvel comics bought heroes world heroes world distribution a distribution center based on the east coast uh that that uh was founded by a gentleman named ivan snyder and he ran it from 1975 to 1997 yes it absolutely was in new jersey heroes world came into being Ivan Snyder ran a third tier distribution network he was also a distributor like Diamond located in Baltimore and like Capital City another distributor distributor they offered different terms uh, to people some of the reasons that the numbers uh, in the late 80s early 90s are there's a disparity is because the market was split about 60 40 or 65 35 between Capital City and Diamond. That was your two major hubs of distribution. Now, if you're down the street or you're here in Orange County, I had stores that used both. I had stores that used exclusively one or the other. Capital City and Diamond determine how much your discount is going to be on their books. And sometimes they gave more favorable terms to another store in order to entice, in order to entice them to sh- shape... <laughs> to shift in order to shift from one distributor to another. Let's say that you were a capital guy. Maybe Diamond wanted your account. Maybe you had grown to two stores. Diamond says, hey, we want to entice you. We're going to give you an extra 1% off. Hey, that matters. That's dollars and cents. You don't believe me? Believe Chuck Rosansky. When I was growing up, Chuck Rosansky had all of the ads in all of the Marvel comics. Chuck Rosansky's store was called Mile High Comics. He had double-page ads in all of the comic books when I was buying them, whether they were on the newsstand or eventually I was getting them at the dedicated comic book stores, the direct market stores. Mile High Comics just listed all sorts of back issues and new issues that you could buy, subscription services. Mile High Comics. I eventually got to meet Chuck. I went to Mile High Comics in, in Colorado. Massive, huge store. He still has a giant store, one of the biggest in the world, a comic book store. It's in Colorado. 
Again, it's listed. You should check it out. Uh, it's the same location that we visited back in the very early 90s and had a big signing there. But then he came out to Orange County and he bought a store in Anaheim, California. And he kind of did the Southern California thing for a little while. He kept getting moved because the city kept expanding the freeway in one instance. And he was kind of, uh, you know, I want to say uh, he was absolutely forced out of that location. They, they helped him uh, relocate. But when, when the city is expanding... They just, uh, you know, take dominion over your property and, and earmark it for the public benefit and you're, you're gone. So, so he then moved a little further down from Disneyland, but he was hovering around Disneyland the entire time. I did stores, I did store signings at all of his locations. I got to pick his brain, get to know some of his brilliance, some of his knowledge. He was for the longest time, one of the, if not the premier, um, comic store retailer in, 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 in the world of comics, his, uh, commentary when Heroes World was bought by Marvel. So Marvel Comics decided to withdraw from Diamond and Capital. The two largest, the two biggest players who were trying to recruit Capital and Diamond both had catalogs. You would if you were a Capital person, you ordered from Capital. If you were if you were a Diamond person, you ordered from Diamond. Marvel decided because the guy that owned Marvel Comics, uh Ron Perlman, who who owned Revlon Cosmetics at the time and he had um, really done very well with Marvel and then decided to expand beyond Marvel and he didn't want to license anything Marvel. He didn't want to license toys to a toy company. He thought I should own the toy company. But that means owning a lot more staff and a lot more, you know, manufacturing. But he did that. He did that with a sticker company with Panini, an overseas sticker and trading card company, Panini. He bought that. Well, he then decided, I don't want to kick back a percentage to any distributor. I want to keep it all. So we're Marvel Comics. We're number one. They were, in fact, number one. They had been number one for almost two decades. So at the time, seemed good on paper. I'm going to buy a third-tier distributor. Make that the sole place that you have to buy comic books. Pull out from both Capital and DC Comics. Sorry, Diamond Comics. Pull out from Capital and Diamond Distribution. And we will be our own distributor. And we will no longer kick any percent. 5%, 8%, 10%, 15%, 20%. No more. We're not k- kicking that into the distributors. This had a huge after effect, which I'll get to in just a second. But when this happened, Chuck Rosansky commented, Without Marvel Comics, again, this is in Chuck Rosansky's own words, without Marvel Comics to distribute, all the surviving direct market comic book distributors suddenly found their overall sales volume reduced by 35-40%. That is how much Marvel contributed to the bottom line. 35-40% of your comic book sales, if you had a comic book store, and of course, many of you didn't, but if you did, 40% of your sales were Marvel Comics. Come on, X-Men, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Avengers, Silver Surfer, Ghost Rider, Wolverine. I mean, it was a big deal. Comic book distributors suddenly found their overall sales volume reduced by 35 to 40% and their operating cost remained the same. In a business where even a single point of discount or a single point of volume could translate into a huge financial difference in those earnings, massive losses in sales volume were simply not sustainable. So there you have it. If, if, if the distributor came to you in your store and said, I'm going to kick you a couple points saving if you go all diamond and leave capital. That's how competitive this was. 1% could be the difference between you having a 
good week and a great week. Everybody wants to have a great week. Or a bad week and a worse week, okay? Well, now Marvel took that into their own hands and they said, we don't care about capital or diamond. We're going to keep everything. We're going to buy Heroes World. We're going to run it out of New Jersey. We're going to send all our books from the printer here. And we're going to have Ivan and his staff. And Ivan stayed on for a couple years. And again, Heroes World was a... Uh, Prior to Marvel buying them, they were a scrappy little competitor. They gave a certain amount of discount and service to Eastern Seaboard. Marvel saw that and said, we can build you up and make you a massive premier distributor and we'll run it. You have the infrastructure that we need, the warehouse. You understand how to collect and distribute books to retailers. So our product is going to be what everybody wants. How do I fit into this? Why do I know so much about this? Well, Everybody in the comic book publishing knew about this. The way I would fit into this later, as would Jim Lee, is that part of the premier product that they wanted to put out there was the relaunch of the Captain America, Fantastic Four, Avengers, and Iron Man titles. And, you know, what, what what's going to do better for you as a distributor if you're selling more, more product? So taking Captain America from 25,000 sales to 280,000 sales, taking Avengers from 35,000 sales to 330,000 sales, taking Fantastic Four from 30,000 sales to 350,000 sales, that matters, okay? That's why they, distrib- they, they, they invested in Jim Lee and myself to launch. Heroes Reborn was a not just a comic book event, it was a distribution event. Heroes Reborn was an event meant to, you know, steady... The, the the rumblings and 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 increase the appeal of Heroes World Distribution. And as Marvel was now saying, not only are we our own place, look at all the stuff that you can only get from us. Because when they pulled, Diamond no longer distributed Marvel Comics for the better part of four years. Marvel no longer was distributed by Capital because as you're going to find out here, Capital City Distribution ceased to be. They were bodied, they were slammed, they were completely, they, compl- they they completely collapsed. Steve Jeppe, upon learning this, immediately cut a deal with DC Comics, was discussing with DC Comics, wanted DC Comics. Capital City was trying to get DC Comics behind the scenes, please go with us, go with us. They both knew they couldn't afford to, to, uh, to, to uh, split the baby. They both needed to land a giant account. The entire world waited. Image Comics, as, as I've shared with you, and it is part of historical fact, did we, in fact, twice in our early history in the 90s outsell, out percentage-wise, DC Comics in the marketplace? We did, with far fewer books. In 1992, in the summer of 1992, with seven comics, we outsold the entirety of DC Comics. The entirety. If you don't think that freaked them out, I have talked about this in our Image Comics podcast. It set the world on fire. It turned the business upside down. How could these... Six guys with their seven books turn turn the market towards them. It was Marvel, Image, DC. How many po- comics was Marvel publishing? Plus 50. How many comics was DC co- publishing? Plus 50. How many was Image? Seven. Seven comics the month that we flipped it and became the number two comic company in August of 1992. It happened again a, few, a little while later. It was enough to instill the fear of God and they killed Superman and they broke Batman's back and they started into the big stunt business because they needed to stay, stay, stay competitive with Image Comics. And we were launching titles that you've never heard before, just FYI. We were launching titles you'd never heard of before, characters that didn't exist prior to us publishing them. So we were a, a, a incredible force in the marketplace. 
This would continue up to the point where they would woo Jim and myself back to restore this. They became the flagship operations, the flagship books, and indeed were the top-selling books the month that they came out through Heroes World, through Marvel. DC chose Diamond. Steve Jeppy gave a better uh, presentation, had a slightly stronger company, and DC Comics chose chose uh, chose Diamond. The, uh, the, the the last part of this Chuck Rosansky quote is. Steve Jeppe, owner of Diamond Comics Distribution, responded to this threat from Marvel to, uh, to the survival of his business by entering into negotiations to become the exclusive distributor for all other comic book publishers. And while Steve was begging all the comic book publishers to switch distribution exclusively to his company, John Davis and Milton Gripe of Capital City were making the same plans. Uh, the... Uh, the end result was that Steve signed DC Comics and then everyone else scrambled. Capital City and Diamond pivoted to Image Comics. The reason I just gave you the big spiel on how big Image Comics was, how much market share we had, was so it's basically after Marvel, you got 1A and 1B. You got, you know, 2 and 3 were flop would flop on any given month. DC and Image were basically the same same size. If we had gone to Capitol, I don't know what chaos would have ensued. But wherever we chose, so Dark Horse and, and, and the other comic companies at the time were waiting, were waiting on us. Valiant, they were all waiting. The signal was, and Diamond even said, everyone's waiting to see what Image Comics does. Where Image Comics goes, then the, deter- the future will be determined because if Capital City got Image, then they would have a version of DC. And then you'd have two B pluses, one B plus at Diamond, one B plus at, at Capital. And suddenly the chaos would become even more incredible. Well, knowing this, all of the Diamond reps flew out and met with us in Image Comics, met with us behind the scenes. I was present for some of the um, meetings. There were phone calls that continued. Larry Martyr, who was our publisher at the time, would fly back, back and forth. It was an intense period of time. But eventually we figured that Diamond offered us the best options. Capital City was a little shaky. And as nice as those guys, got, were, Milton uh, and John were, we just, Jeppy was a closer. Bill Shanus was a closer. We signed with Diamond. Now Diamond had DC and Image Comics, and it and and I I am, it it is uh, regretful to relive the fact that that was what ended Capital City. I mean Marvel Marvel said it all about Ron Perlman and his desire to own everything: sticker companies, toy companies, distribution networks, uh, which is what drove him into bankruptcy. By the way, people again, if you think that Marvel went into bankruptcy because of their comic sales, you are incredibly inf- uninformed. That is not why. It is because the owner of Marvel went into tremendous debt buying other companies. Toy Biz, sorry, toys. He had to make his own toys. He had to make his own stickers. He had to distribute his own, uh, you know, comics. And he had to own, obviously owned Marvel Comics itself. So it was too much. He was bleeding, bleeding red ink. Had to enter into a reorganization. And when he came out of it, New bidders emerged, and by 2000, we were in an all-new ball ballpark, all-new ball club, all-new ownership. But the distribution wars of the 90s uh, settled when, in uh, 
by the end of 1997, going into 1998, four years into it, Heroes World was shuttered. Jeppy negotiated to welcome Marvel back. And by the 2000s, Diamond, Steve Jeppy, had everybody. Had Marvel, had DC, had Image, had IDW, had Dark Horse, had uh, Valiant, had every other burgeoning publisher in their catalog. Capital was gone. The rivalry that I grew up with, two catalogs. Because trust me, two catalogs means twice the promotion. If 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 half of your base is represented by one distributor and half is, is represented by the other, like Image Comics would get a cover. Youngblood was on the cover of the Capital catalog when it was launched. And we sold a million copies of Youngblood. Now, now we were also in Diamond, but Capital gave us the cover. You know, Capital gave DC a cover. Marvel got the cover to... The, the, the Diamond catalog and Dark Horse got the other. Getting the covers is still a big deal. If I could, this summer, that there was a company that, that the distributor promised a cover for that month and the company uh, promised it to someone else, but then someone else within the company thought that cover was going to them. And that still happens, guys. People are still competing. They think the cover of the catalog, a catalog I no longer hold in my hands, by the way. I have not flipped through a previews catalog in probably six years. And the retailers who are listening to this right now, if I'm being played in your store, you're like, you're lucky. I know. My sympathy goes to the retailers. Their jobs are getting harder. Back to DC Comics, going to Luna. They pulled out of Diamond. Marvel dropped the other foot a year back, and they went with a book publisher, Penguin. Penguin Publishing. Well, to get you up to speed, just a couple weeks ago, Dark Horse Comics announced that they are the third publisher to enter into a worldwide distribution deal with Penguin Random House Publishing Services. Joining IDW, who has in the past uh, published you know, Transformers, G.I. Joe. I just did a Snake Eyes G.I. Joe series for IDW just within the last year and a half. It was so much fun. I love all the people over at IDW. I wish them nothing but the best. They have had the best-selling comic of the last year and a half with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Last Ronin. It topped the charts. It was an expensive book, a $10 book, no less, selling hundreds of thousands, quarter of a million dollars, quarter, quarter a million units, quarter million units. This thing was ridiculously, wildly successful. They, uh, they have been with Penguin Random House Publishing, and Dark Horse Comics is now the third publisher to follow their lead. Follow Marvel, follow IDW. So your Marvel comics, your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles comics, your Transformers comics for the moment, and your Dark Horse comics, whatever they may be, uh, are all now going to be offered exclusively through Penguin. Now, you can also buy them through Diamond in, in case it's Marvel. Some retailers still, Marvel Marvel has offered their 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 books to still be sold through Marvel, but the discount is better through Penguin. But early on, it was shaky. The packaging and the delivery of the books, especially with the paper quality that some of the comics are printed on, if you go to your retailer, as I know so many of the retailers here in Orange County, they'd be like, look how badly these, these were packed. Like, all of these comics are, are dinged. And now we're back in 1976. They're all, you know, the corners are bent. Uh, some of the some of the issues were warped, and and at the end of the day, you know, they're like today's customer, today's customer, the customer of 2021, 2022, going into 2023, they want the nicest copies on the rack. So I would I would go and see entire 
shipments of certain books. So the Penguin Random House people had to catch up. They had to pack their stuff better. It was a quick correction. They did that. But you can buy them still through the Diamond Network, but, but you pay a little more. Most retailers in Orange County that I know are still buying through Diamond at a more expensive discount, paying a little more because they just like getting it all together. I'm not sure how long that's going to hold, especially now that Dark Horse and IDW are also part of the Penguin family. You don't think that people are talking to Image? You don't think that, that, that people you know, are talking to Boom Studios? They are. So right now you've got Diamond, which now has you know, Image and Boom and a few others as their exclusives, but Marvel is with Penguin. DC is with Luna. Let me, let me, let me read you the rest of this. Uh, the news that Dark Horse has become the third publisher in the last year and a half to sign an exclusive worldwide distribution deal with Penguin Random House Publishing Services following the lead of both IDW Publishing and Marvel Entertainment is a sign of how changeable the world of comic book distribution has become after close to a quarter century of stability. Literally, Diamond was your sole location for Marvel, DC, Image, Boom, Dark Horse, IDW, Valiant, CrossGen, you name it. What does it all mean? And how, if at all, does it impact the average person just looking to pick up comic books and graphic novels from their local comic shop? Well, here's all that you need to know, okay? So just prior to COVID, uh, every comic book publisher in Northern American in the Northern American industry was distributed by Diamond. We covered this. And that was the case since the mid-90s. As it turned out, you know, Marvel decided we should explore other possibilities. And uh, and during the pandemic, they opened up dis- discussions with, uh, with, with Penguin Random House. But it was March 2020 when DC Comics announced that they were suspending uh, their, their relationship with Diamond because Diamond, because of the, of, of, of the, of the pandemic, all, all operations were shut down. They suspended distribution of product. Remember those days of, the, of, of, of COVID. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. Basically, the only things that were open during that time, your mall wasn't open, remember? Just your grocery store and maybe some fast food units uh, uh, slowly but surely. Food operation continued. But most retail, uh, here in Orange County, you know, I, I had some police friends. They were reluctant to do it, but they were supposed to instruct people, you got to shut down. What, you shouldn't be offering your brick-and-mortar store. Everything went to mail order. Comic books went to mail order. And that's where we're going to end up at the end of this. And uh, Diamond ceased distribution of every product, of Marvel, of DC, of Image, of Boom, of Dark Horse, everything. They ceased because no one knew what was going on. You couldn't go to a warehouse and pack, pack books and ship them. And you couldn't go to the printer and print them because COVID. You might be... Uh, Um, you, you, you might actually be, you know, compromised because we didn't know anything about COVID and this is way before vaccines. And, you know, we were, we were, we were double masking in some cases. So you guys remember, this is fresh. This is only two and a half years ago. So the, the, the brakes had to be pumped on everything. Well, what happened, what happened was, uh, was that as a result of this shutting down, 
everybody kind of started reevaluating. And uh, they started reevaluating how they were going to distribute their products. Mail order became a big deal. That's what, again, we're going to go back to that at the end. Direct to consumer. Direct to consumer became a way out. Now, guys, I, I know some about something about this because I was able to raise $350,000. I say this proudly. $350,000 for retailers. It never touched my hands. I woke up one day. I was so burdened. My friends uh, who had a local mom and pop comic store had to shutter. And there was a lot of unnerve, a lot of, you know, insecurity. And I told my wife, if I could draw pictures and sell them online and send the money to the stores, I would. I actually um, was able to, uh, to, uh, I was actually able to, uh, to, um, was actually able, you know, to, to visit some of these stores and do signings. And, you know, I was at Bedrock City and, and I was, I was at all these different stores in, in recent months back when I was out touring. And I literally forgot Bedrock City said, you know, that Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rocks at the time, he kicked us, you know, all that money that he used to buy that art. Daryl Morey, Freddie Prince Jr., some others I, 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 that, that are anonymous, stepped up and 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 they they sent money. The, the whole deal was you would not pay me. I never received a dime. You would either Venmo or PayPal the store that was selected. When the art went up, when the Thor drawing, the Wolverine drawing, the Deadpool Deathstroke, whatever that whatever that was, whenever that went up, you were instructed to pay the store. I never saw a dime. It was honestly the most like. Uh, fun I ever had in, in terms of every morning it was a new day to try and raise funds for a comic store directly. That's the only way I, I, I figured I could pull that off and do it in any sort of respectful manner. So the money just kept getting rerouted to stores. And I would list the stores as we went. And uh, we uh, afterwards, I was able to privately help out a number of other stores. But at, at the end of the day, mail order was how a lot of these stores stayed in business. They sold bronze issues. They sold 90s issues. They sold 2000s comics. They went on Instagram. They started selling. And uh, it was a really exciting time. And uh, the uh, the comics industry was, was absolutely troubled. Um, and uh, mail order was the thing that kept a lot of these places going. I've sat, I've, I've heard their stories. I watched their feeds. I watched their Instagram. Facebook, Facebook Live and Instagram Live was born during this time. But what was going on behind the scenes in the comic book industry was that uh, some of these publishers wanted to get back on track. So DC Comics partnered with Luna to start distribution. And uh, while Diamond was regrouping as if how to run their business now that they had shut down operations, no warehouse, no books were coming in. Nobody was printing comics. There was a two month gap in, in the, uh, in the manufacturing distribution, sharing of comic books, DC comics initially thought they'd return to diamond, but, uh, DC officially informed retailers in May, uh, I'm sorry, in June of 2020, in June of 2020. So we pandemic in March 
and March turned to April, turned to May, and in June, DC announced they were pulling out of Diamond. So Steve Jeppe is now, another 25 years has passed, another quarter century, and now he's faced with someone else pulling out from under him. And uh, Dan DiDio was gone. Jim Lee was now at the helm of the, of, of the company and uh, as, as the publisher and conceivably had a you know, decision to throw in this, had, 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 had weight in this decision. And they, uh, their, their official announcement was, we recognize that to many of you, this may seem like a momentous decision. However, we can assure you that this change in DC's distribution plan has not been made lightly and follows a long period of thought and consideration. The groan you heard all around the world was retailers who now had to go back to 1995 and deal with multiple accounts. We're not just ordering from Diamond to get our DC and our image and our Dark Horse. We have to deal with Heroes World. That's two different forms. That's two different, um, you know, basically pains in the asses, catalogs to go with. Instead of one site, one center, you're now, you know, you're now ordering off different menus and they're going, you know, to different restaurants, basically. Uh, so DC launched with Luna and uh, they were anyone who was ordering DC through Diamond were receiving them later than they would be receiving them through Lunar. DC cutting ties with Diamond in North America. The two did remain in business internationally for international distribution. Was seen as a seismic move in the industry. Retailers were upset at the process the prospect of dealing with multiple distributors. Distributors. They thought, that, again, that after almost three decades, that had been behind them, and they wouldn't have to do it again. Uh, there was some panic, guys. It was it was crazy. Well, that was just the beginning of the fallout of, of what was going on with the pandemic. If uh, people were like, Diamond's going to shut down. Diamond can't survive. Well, Diamond survived. They kept going. They had Marvel. They had Image. They kept going. DC, formidable. But DC, honestly, has seen better days. DC has been stronger than it is now. Uh, this DC DC's product was not in any way in the same demand it was 10 years before that, 10 years before that. I'm not going to say they're weak, but they just weren't as strong. So Diamond uh, kept, kept soldiering on. They, they still had Marvel. They had Image. They had IDW. They had Dark Horse. And, uh, and, and, and and DC Comics was committed to this relationship with Lunar, L-U-N-A-R. Uh, Diamond had stabilized in the face of, 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 of DC's departure. And uh, they, 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 they thought, look, we're, we're, we're strengthening our position. Retailers are getting healthy again. Retail is back open. The pandemic is fading in regards to you can go into retail. You may have to wear a mask. But malls were filled again with masks without, depending on where you lived. Retail comic stores were opening up again. Even conventions were starting to sniff around um, different openings. I was doing comic store signings the summer of the pandemic by June and July. Everyone wore masks. I stood in a separate room. I looked at you through a like window, uh, like in a doctor's doctor's office. Uh, we even took pictures in that way. I wasn't I wasn't the only one. I'm just giving you my personal experience. Again, I can come at this all the time through a, as a publisher, as a writer, as an artist, as a creator, all of it. So uh, what happened next was in March 2021, so almost a full year later, Marvel announced it is leaving Diamond for a new exclusive relationship with Penguin, Random House Publishing Services. 
a partnership that will bring the mainstream publishing and distribution giant into a comic specialty market to a level it had never seen. Again, I told you they had some bumpy roads. The packing and the the, the distribution, the, the, the physical distribution of the books in the boxes, and the damage. It was a big deal. It was a big deal for a few weeks. And then, and to Marvel's credit, you know, uh, it, it's a shame it wasn't handled prior. But they 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 stressed to Penguin, you can't be handling the books this way. There has to be extra packaging, extra you know protection. And uh, and so they steadied it. But absolutely, this was another blow to Diamond. Um, Penguin was now in the direct comic book market, and many wondered what would that do to the health of the market. Uh, Penguin had to create a new division within their Penguin Random House. You've all heard of Penguin. You've all heard of Random House. They have a significant portion of the book market, whether you're getting your books through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, Walmart, wherever you're getting it. Penguin Random House is a huge publisher. Comic books are the core of the Marvel Universe, and we are confident that this new partnership will continue to grow and evolve our resilient industry, Marvel Comic President Dan Buckley said. We look forward to advancing our capabilities. <clears throat> we thank Diamond for their many years of support and partnership as we continue our relationship with them in other areas. So if DC leaving Diamond was a big deal, this was an even bigger seismic event. And uh, unlike DC, the new distributor would be handling the Marvel product worldwide not just north america diamond uh would still distribute marvel as a wholesaler wholesaler and uh again you would have to pay more if you're going to go through marvel well some of the early fears through penguin assured that many of these retailers stayed with marvel even paying a little more um it's an odd workaround in in regards to the wholesaling relationship that diamond had <clears throat> But uh, they boasted in their own statement, the matter, the, the change Marvel announced today represents behind-the-scenes shift in how Diamond interacts with Marvel for certain products, but it does not impact our ability to supply you, the retailer, our customers with Marvel Comics, trades, and graphic novels. The discount terms under which our retail pro um, partners order Marvel Comics will change, but Diamond will communicate that information to the, cu the customers. So uh, the other reason that Marvel's deal with Penguin Random House was more important than DC's is uh, that other publishers followed suit almost immediately. Three months later, IDW announced that they would sign their own exclusive deal reflecting Marvel's deal. And now Dark Horse has signed on. While Diamond has attempted to bolster its exclusive lineup with four new deals with indie publishers, it is hard to avoid the fact that Diamond is going to end 2022 in a significantly weakened uh, position. Of course, Image and Boom are considering other offers. I'm going to tell you right now, as I speak into this mic, knowing people and players inside those businesses, yes, they are considering them. They are they are weighing what will Diamond do to keep their considerable uh, contributions because now they are the biggest game in town. Number one and two are gone. Number four or five is gone. Number three. Uh, so basically, Image and Boom are three and four. IDW and Dark Horse are like, Five and six, seven. So one is with its own net network, Diamond. I mean, uh, one is with its own network, DC and Lunar. One is with its other, Marvel and Penguin Random House. And now Penguin Random House has added IDW and Dark Horse. But your Image Comics, your Boom Comics, your Dynamite Comics, you know, they are, they are stable for now. But I don't know that by the time I wrap this podcast today that that information won't be out of date. 
your retailer, again, thank him when you see him. I'm a fan of the retailer. Like I said, the bottom line is the direct market is very important to the comic book world. And the fact that they exist and sell you comics that you can go to seven days a week, buy your comics, buy your back issues, your statues, your toys. It's important. They're, they are the lifeblood of our marketplace. But now you've got rankings and numbers and sales that are determined by three different distributors. Lunar has its own charts. Diamond has its own charts. Penguin has its own charts. Someone can try and work and blend that all together, but that's not going to be an accurate snapshot. So rankings and being top and number one is has never been less relevant than it is now. Because there are right now three distribution networks. Diamond is still in the game until they are not in the game. Uh, but think of your retailer. They have to fill out a Penguin Random House. They have to do a Diamond for everyone else and a Lunar for DC Comics. Okay? So thank your retailer today. Thank your retailer for doing their work. And even though um, sometimes I get frustrated that they don't order enough of what I want, I understand how difficult their business has become. One catalog became three. And to maybe keep it at two, they're paying a little more. And what did Chuck Rosansky say that I read to you about a half hour ago? One percentage point in terms of discount or value can make or break, can determine a, a business. The bottom line is that uh, consider that the tiered discount business model, wherein the more cash you spend, the higher your discount is. When there's one distribu distributor, that discount level is going to be really high. Your discount level buying everything through one is going to be really high. Now it's split across three. The distributor is going to receive a smaller number of orders overall from each distributor. And so therein, their discount is going to go down. Uh, this is an issue in, re in regards to cost and, and overhead and, and making it too expensive to continue on. And, and you got to also think that as publishers move to new distributors, they have an opportunity to change things that might otherwise have seemed completely set in stone. Uh, DC doesn't release comics on Wednesdays anymore. You can go in and get DC comics on Tuesdays, which means they're being wrapped on Mondays, which is a day earlier. Used to be you got your books on Tuesday, you put them out Tuesday night for consumers on Wednesday. Now retailers get them on Monday and they get them on Tuesday because the Marvel comics and all the diamond distribution, the image, the boom, the dark horse or for now, those come on a Tuesday for Wednesday. Uh, Public, Penguin has, has, has maintained again the Wednesday while DC has shifted all their release dates through Lunar to Tuesdays. Um, but again, it's a, it's, it's a constant flow. It's spread out the work. And uh, look, we're looking at uncertainty. No one knows what's going to happen. No one, is, it, no one absolutely knows what is gonna go, what's going to happen going forward. Um, you'd think Penguin Random House is pretty solid. Lunar is, I'm not sure the sustainability of their model. I know Penguin Random House is good to go. They are a rock-solid business. Just, I hope someone at Marvel doesn't think that they should buy them like they did Heroes World, like they did Panini, like they did Toy Biz. Let's not, let's not go down that road. So there's uncertainty. There's uncertainty within, within Diamond Comics. I mean, how, how much more can they take? Is Image the last step if Image were to go with Penguin? Would they go with Penguin given that, you know, they're probably not going to get the favorable deal? that they're going to get from Diamond, given that Marvel is going to be the industry leader. Certainly, again, the same situation exists with Lunar. Uh, the bottom line is, 
And this is what I've been going towards. With all the uncertainty in the marketplace and all the work that your retailer has to do, what's happening for the people who actually create the comics, because I'm one of those guys. I create the comics. I had comic books come out all summer long. Four issues of Deadpool, issue a Profit, issue a Brigade. And what's most important to me is getting them to you, the consumer. Direct to consumer has blown up. It has blown up. Some consumers wait till conventions to spend. When I was in San Diego, you guys, it's 2022. I've been in this 37 years. I don't particularly have a quote-unquote hot book right now, but I'm also going to close this saying I'm not sure there is a hot book. Okay? I didn't think I would have the best year I ever had. We made, as a, as a table, as a retail operation, my booth made more in 2022 than in 1996, than in 2000, 2015, than at ever time ever before. Business was a booming. Buying direct. I had exclusives. You could buy comics directly from me. They're going to come signed. You're going to get them with, I'm going to touch them, hand them to you, take a photo, okay? Direct to consumer, direct to consumer. In the pandemic, I went Facebook Live. I went Instagram Live. I, I sold books to you directly. Direct-to-consumer is changing the business. What happened when Apple happened and, and we, we you know digitally distributed everything? I stopped going to record stores. Tower Records closed down. Music lands are gone. Now, if unless you go to a big box store, you're not going to have access. If you really want that DVD, that CD, you're going to maybe order it on Amazon like I did. I thought I lost some of my Olivia Newton-John movies. I went looking for them after she died. I couldn't understand where they were. I panicked. I, I, I bought them again on Amazon. They were delivered the next day. Three weeks later, I found all the stuff that I was looking for. Does that sound familiar? Of course it does. It happens to everybody. <laughs> I'm not alone. Um, but now we just buy our music at the, at the touch of a button, direct to consumer. Whoever I'm buying that track from is going to get a percentage of that track. Apple is the distributor. But it is a closer form to direct to consumer than it was in the music land business, the tower records business, the brick and mortar shop. I get books in. I know exactly how many books I need to sell to cover my overhood. I'm going to make some specialty books. I'm going to make some holograms, some chromes, some foils, and those higher end items that are going to come in limited numbers, but they're going to have a higher markup are going to do the deal for me. All I want to do is make sure that I can continue to do what I'm doing in regards to publishing. I have never lost a dollar publishing. I may break even, but I have never lost a dollar pure publishing, and I don't intend to. Again, the profits may not be as plentiful, but the bottom line is when it comes to publishing, I have to be responsible. I have to make sure that what I am investing in comes back. And I believe that direct-to-consumer is going to become the biggest and most potent aspect going forward in this world where everything that we get is at the drop of a button. The Amazon effect is real. The Amazon effect of you want it within 48 hours, two, you know, 24 hours. How many times have you have you bought something knowing that it was going to be delivered that day because it told you so, and then they tell you later, it's not going to come till the next day now. And we're fine. We really wanted it that day, but we're fine. It's 48 hours. It's 48 hours later. That's good. Direct-to-consumer is changing the game. When I pay the printer to print my comics and they arrive to me, and then I sell them to you, there is no middleman. There's no store. There's no percentage. I am selling them to you. I get them maybe a couple weeks before you. That has its own enticement. Before that book comes out, I'm able to offer it to you before maybe Diamond can get it through a special, you know, enhanced cover. 
but it's two to three weeks before. You're going to buy it from me. You have been buying it from me. I'm not alone. I am not the only one. I'm not telling you this because this is significant or exclusive to Rob Liefeld. I want the comic stores to open up. Maybe as I expand, I'll do what I did in the year 2002, 2003, when I brought back Youngblood with Mark Miller, the biggest writer in comics at the time. It was called Youngblood Bloodsport. I've covered this. I wanted to sell comics out of my trunk, always. We sold them. Chuck Rosansky, you want to know how many copies he bought of Youngblood Bloodsport? Thousands. Thousands. I'd give you the exact amount, but I I don't want to betray, but it was in the thousands. Uh, there, There is a chain of stores in Texas. They bought thousands. Midtown Comics, thousands. I was able to move my comic to comic stores at a discount, the same discount that the distributor would give, except better, because I don't have to give a, distri- a, a, a percentage to the distributor. So I cut out the middleman. Youngblood Bloodsport was, in fact, in comic stores via direct from Rob Liefeld to whatever comic store you picked it up at. We didn't offer it through the Diamond catalog for a year and a half, and at that point, we did it as a clearance. We'd already hit all the major retailers. We had already hit the biggest Florida, Texas, LA, New York. Look, sometimes you just have to do the big ter- territory. Chicago, five big cities, five big areas, and you're good to go because all we really want is to get our work into your hands and have you enjoy it. As a, And, and right now, let me flip it. I've talked about sales charts before. I've talked about being number one. I said the other day, you know, Deadpool has only charted number one with me as a $25 graphic novel. That is the only time Deadpool has been on the top of the charts. Check it out. It's historic. It's factual. You will not dispute what I am telling you right now. In case you're like, well, I'm going to... Good luck. Good luck with that. Deadpool, Bad Blood, number one, $25, number one. Imagine also when you're calculating that, calculated as a $2.50 or $2.50 comic, and then you'll get exactly like the penetration in regards if it was regular comic, how it would have done. We broke it up into four bite-sized pieces across a miniseries this last summer, and it sold very well, and people encountered it who had not encountered it when they made it number one. Also, I'm the best-selling Deadpool um, artist, between Deadpool uh, New Mutants 98, between X-Force number one, X-Force number two, you're never going to catch those numbers. Deadpool was was, was literally in millions of hands, and he hasn't been since. I know my way around numbers. I know my way around rankings. Suddenly, those are all muddy. DC ranks their own comics. Marvel's ranking their comics within Penguin, now alongside IDW and Dark Horse and Image and Boom have Diamond. So how do you compile the numbers? How does Diamond get a look at the Penguin numbers? They don't. How does Penguin get a look at Diamond's numbers? They don't. How does Lunar get a look? They don't. You've got some sites claiming to try and blend them together, but they're not giving you an accurate snapshot whatsoever. So what you're going to start getting as we move on is a bunch of people saying that they're the top-selling book or a complete lack of emphasis on rankings and numbers completely. It's what happened in the television market. The television business is so beyond five networks anymore, okay? It's beyond where we were. When I grew up, there was three networks, CBS, NBC, ABC. I was there in 1986, 87 when they launched Fox with three shows on Saturday nights. Okay, and the Fox network built over time. They didn't even they didn't even do a full week's worth of shows. It was just a few shows. And now look, we live in a gazillion, a gazillion networks and streaming options. And you really don't know what anything, oh, 900 million hours of this was viewed. That doesn't tell me where it ranked. Some other site can weigh in and go, well, we've weighed this and we've weighed that. It's not accurate. You don't have an accurate depiction of Game of Thrones versus 
you know, Walking Dead versus The Boys versus, you know, Rings of Power, The Lord of the Rings show versus Dahmer versus Stranger Things. I'm telling you right now, the rankings, comics and television have now mirrored each other. Too many sources, no one accurate place. When Diamond had everything, you could get accurate rankings and sales. Now, somebody can say, well, I sold this. Well, I guess I sold this. Well, I printed it over here, and I'm not going to tell you how many I, I, I printed, but I'm going to tell you what I sold. So, direct-to-consumer is going to continue to expand and be a model, whether it's me selling to stores or me selling to you. I love selling to stores. I want to keep stores strong. Nobody that I know of outside of Jim Lee was doing exactly what I was doing, raising money for comic book stores, but, and nobody... And this is where I separate myself. Nobody had stores paid directly. I had stores paid directly within 24 hours. You got your money. It didn't go into a fund that was distributed with a, a, a non-linear like, follow-through as to where everything went. Mine, you knew it. If it raised and it, and it went for this money, it went to that store. We have completely moved away from a one-system you know, comic book distribution network. Now you got three systems, maybe maybe a fourth, maybe it'll it'll change to two. But right now, the rankings, the sales, the the bragging rights, which is what rankings is about, is all changing. It's non-existent. People try to. I'm going to blend these. They again. Let me repeat one more time. Diamond does not have Penguin's numbers. Penguin's does not have Diamond numbers. Penguin and Diamond do not have Lunar's numbers. Lunar does not have Diamond's numbers. Lunar does not have Penguin's numbers. Boom. There you go. So everyone is zhuzhing up the, the picture because they now have their own. There, there is a school of thought that DC was tired of looking up at Marvel these last, this last decade. And by going to Lunar, they removed that aspect. When you got big corporate bosses and you keep getting sold all the time, it's easier to say, hey, we're doing great. Not, well, yeah, we lost to Marvel again. It's something to think about. Can't nail that to a wall, but has it been said to me? Of course it has. And it wasn't just me. It was many. This was a nuts and bolts, uh, put on your business hat episode of Rob's Observations. This is where we're at in the distribution world. We are at three different sources. Those of you inside the business, you knew this. Those of you outside, maybe you didn't. Maybe now you know why your retailer needs a bigger hug. Maybe spend a little more on a back issue or buy some more. Hey, I'm all for comic retailers. I raised funds directly for them when they couldn't open. So no one is going to have more credibility saying that I am all for the retailer than me. Okay? So again, I am for the retailer. But I am also for the creator, and I want the creator to do well. And obviously, we haven't covered um, all of the different platforms that you can raise money as a creator. But direct-to-consumer, Instagram Lives, Facebook, Facebook Lives, and of course, I, uh, websites, my website. You know, when Neil Adams was still alive, I bought stuff off his website. You go to these creator websites, and you can buy stuff that's personalized, that's sketched on, that's, that's, that's signed, okay? So that, that's what I'm talking about, direct-to-consumer, websites, social media. The, the advent of the iPhone and the boom, I want it instantly, press of a button. It's only, I'm, I'm going to end with this, it's only just begun to change this industry that I love so much of comic books. Because you know where I can't go get comics? I can't go to the spinner rack in the drugstore anymore. I can't go and get comic books off a spinner rack anywhere. They don't exist. I can't go into Barnes & Noble. They, they, they have them, you know, maybe three or four comics on a shelf. They don't even carry a full a full clip of I mean, it's, 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 it's like 2% of what's out there. There's no spinner rack. 
And that's if they're there at all. That's if that Barnes & Noble is, is, is ordering comic books at all. Now, they have trades. They have hardcovers, of course. But there is no drugstore. There is no spinner rack in, 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 in Walmart. There's no spinner rack in Target. There's no spinner rack where the people gather. And that is still while the people are gathering. There is no spinner rack in Hot Topic in Box Lunch. So, again, this is a changed world. It's, it's a direct-to-consumer world that is coming. And I believe that is where things are going to continue to focus for the better or for the worse. I don't determine it. I just share it with you guys. This was a really satisfying. I was going to uh, pivot and, and read to you and share with you something from a comic. I mentioned it early on. I'm going to punt that to another episode. We went all in on all of this tremendous business hat distribution wars episode. And I'm glad we did. Uh, got a lot off my chest. Hopefully you guys can absorb all this. I tried to, um, to, to disseminate it as, e- as, as, as easily as I possibly could. But at the end of the day, there is no sharing of sales numbers and, 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 uh, and rankings at this time. And it's a really, it's a spitball aspect. Now, are there still, uh, people putting out 30, 50 covers on their comics and it's making it more like the trading card business? Yes. We're, we're, When's the last time you had a great, you know, discussion with your buddy about a creative team that was lighting up a book the way Byrne and Claremont, the way the way Frank Miller on Daredevil and, and anything else that you may have enjoyed since because you're too busy hunting down all the different variations of the book because that's now the flavor of the day. And it's really become like about a pack of cards and that is an entirely different episode. But today, distribution, where it, where it's been, and where it's going, and we covered it in great detail, and, and I thank you so much, as always, for listening uh, to me cover this topic. I, I, I value you guys hanging out with me so much. I am so grateful. As you know, at the end of each and every episode of Raw Observations, I read your, um, I, I, I read the the reviews that you, that you leave for me, and and I share with with with, with you guys uh, the generous. Um, I I I I I I I am uh, so pleased to, to to share with you guys the incredible uh, reviews that you guys leave, leave for me, and and I'm so grateful always um, that you guys you know jump in and and uh, and and leave even if it's brief. Today's you know what with how long we've gone, this is brief. It's D. Rockalypse. D-Rockalypse has left uh, a review for us. I'm going to tell you, the reviews that you guys leave from me are so important. They help separate us on the platform. They help give us a greater uh, 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 positioning in regards to getting noticed. And, and you guys have been so great. Thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the great ratings. This is a five-star rating today called Education. I am so glad that this podcast exists. This comes from us from D-Rockalypse. D-Rockalypse. I am so glad that this podcast exists to educate people. So many people in the comic stores are saying things that they just do not know the facts about. The other day, I was in a store and someone said that Supreme, my character from 1992, was a ripoff of Century, except Century came out in 2000 and Supreme came out in 1992. Rob, your podcast is changing people's minds and educating them. I appreciate the education that you are sharing so much. 
D Rockalypse. Thank you. I think what D Rockalypse is posting is 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 talking about. I did a Superman episode that took you all took you all the way back to Superman's exploits, and then I covered all of the different aspects. Everybody has had an up to bat at at um, expanding on their version of Superman. Robert Kirkman's done it. I've done it. Uh, you know, Garth Ennis has done it. Alan Moore has done it. Everybody has contributed to a version. Marvel's done it. Everybody likes to explore that aspect of Superman. So I just walked them back. And look, again, I started this out of loneliness in the pandemic to share my comic book stories, almost like a, a verbal diary. But in, 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 over time, I just like to share the historical timeline. So many people now, we are living in a world, unfortunately, of alternate facts. People are making up their own history. Again, people, my own peers, maybe the level below me, they're sharing just information that is not true. And I understand how glamorous it may be to apply your vision of someone you admire and change their impact on the industry in your head when in fact it did not exist. But that that is not helping anyone out. That just makes the, 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 the cleanup on aisle four even messier, okay? Thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving reviews. When you read reviews, even like Drockalypse, and it's brief and it's very specific, I will read it on the air. So thank you for your reviews. You can hear Rob's observations on on Apple, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, on Podbean, all uh, from from my website directly. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. You guys know that I am all over social media. If you want to reach me, I am on Twitter. I am on Instagram. On Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld. R O B L I E F E L D. That's it. At Rob Liefeld. I have a blue check. It tells you it's really me. I'm not trying to grift you. Josh Brolin, uh, the other day, put up <laughs> like a fake account on his story. Like, don't li- like, don't listen to this guy. And the fake account was asking for money. Like, hey, thanks for being my friend. It's it, it's it got Josh's friend. It's got it's got Josh's face. It it kind of misspells his name or or adds something to his name. So you think it's him? And of course, the real Josh Brolin has to tell you that's not me. I I have done this myself. There are grifting accounts. People who will use your face and say, Hey, I represent Rob. I'm really on behalf of him. No, if it doesn't have a blue check, it's not real. That's why the blue check exists to protect both of us. So thank you. And I, I have uh, been safe so far in this, in this space. And, uh, I hope to continue uh, on Instagram and Twitter and, and being protected. And the legitimacy of the blue check says that you are really talking to me. Okay. On Instagram at Rob Liefeld, follow me there. I, I like to share my pictures um, kind of tell a story. I read your mentions, your, your, your DMS, your, your, your comments. I love interacting with you guys on Twitter. Same. I am at Robert Liefeld longer R O B E R T L I E F E L D Robert Liefeld on Twitter, blue check. That's me. I read your comments, your interactions. I love talking to you guys, uh, um, about breaking news, about different items of interest. Thank you for interacting with me. I am so humbled by it. I am currently on a new app called whatnot, whatnot. It is where you can buy collectibles. I asked the audience the other night, what are you buying? They're buying, um, they're buying sneakers. They're buying sports memorabilia. They're buying clothes, apparel. They're buying toys, Funko Pops, and comic books. I am in the toys, Funko Pops, and comic book categories the most of the time. I am Rob Liefeld on whatnot. I do a live stream. Sometimes it goes two hours. Sometimes it goes six hours. Yes, I have found that sitting in my beanbag, talking directly to you, sharing with you my sketch art, my remarks, my signed comics, my new products, maybe some old products, and offering them to you. That is what whatnot is all about. It is a new way of, of, of commerce. What do you think I'm so excited about direct-to-consumer? Hit me up on whatnot at Rob Liefeld. File, file, um, find me on whatnot and follow one of my live streams. I do one on the weekends, Fridays or Saturdays, and generally on Wednesday nights. I am on whatnot. Uh, so check me out. 
Love to see you on whatnot. Love to share all of the different um, items that I have on there with you. Again, it's a great, you're, if you get on there, you're, you're not going to stop with me. You're going to go buy all manner of crazy sports cards, uh, game cards, trading cards, comics, toys, comic, uh, 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 Funkos, the whole nine. So I am on whatnot at Rob Liefeld. Join me, follow me there. I look forward to seeing you. This page has a dedicated page on Facebook. Observations with Rob Liefeld. Hit the like, follow it. Leave a comment. I'll find you. I'll find the follow. I'll find the like. I appreciate you so much. I have a group on Facebook called Rob Liefeld, an extreme group, a group. If you search Rob Liefeld, an extreme group, it's going to be moderated by myself or Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. That's the only two guys that moderate that page. We will click you through. We will make you part of our multi-thousands of members who are always discussing comic books, um, the characters that I've interacted with, and not, not only the ones that I've created, but also the titles like G.I. Joe, like Snake Eyes. You know, like uh, like Fantastic Four, Avengers stuff. I didn't create, but I participated in. I did. I did runs on. So it's a free for all. I love to um, talk to you guys. I am on there every single day, uh, talking back and forth. We just ask that you be respectful. But Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group, again moderated by myself and Terry Sala, we are the two guys. I'm telling you because that's how you know that you are at the right group. Okay, so Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group on uh, an Extreme Group on Facebook. Look forward to seeing you there if at all possible. You guys know that at the end of every episode, I I urge you to look out for yourself. Look out for your mental well-being, your spiritual well-being, your physical well-being, and your spiritual well-being. And maybe you do it in the way that I do it. Sometimes I just got to exhale, read a fun book, a great comic, a graphic novel, watch a fun show, kick back, watch a movie, stream some shows with my family. It just helps me escape. Life is stressful enough. Get your the bottom line. What I'm always trying to say is carve out some you time for stuff that you like. And if you want to wash that down with a cupcake, with some ice cream, with some nachos, with some pizza, with some hamburger, with some with a fried chicken sandwich, then we are talking the same language, okay? Because that's what I do. Bottom line, get to that recliner, that beanbag, that couch, that sofa, relax, chill, let it go. Escape into your indulgences. Of, of, of comics and sci-fi and whatever that entertains you and most importantly inspires you. That, that separates from some of the other indulgences, if you know what I mean. The stuff that inspires you. You guys, I am always rooting for you. I hope that this finds you well. Thank you as always for listening. Please swing back around next time. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be waiting for you. We most absolutely positively inevitably and in a very inevitably and in a very distinct manner we'll talk again real soon.